We learned earlier on in this parak that there are two conditions for something to be valid as sechach. The first condition is that it grows from the ground, and the second condition is that it does not become tome. It cannot become tome. Even if something which is tome were to touch it, it would not become tome. So that excludes most things which have been made into utensils, so therefore can become tome. So that would not be able to be used for sechach. So the Mishnah tells us that hamakaris ukosavash fudin. One who places metal spits, large metal sticks, on the roof of his sukkah, this is certainly invalid for sukkah. Metal doesn't grow from the ground, and this metal spit can also become tomei. Or if he spread boards of a bed, this refers to sort of pieces of wood which are on the side of a bed, large pieces of wood, if he puts that on the roof of his sukkah, so that does come from the ground, wood, However, when it was part of the bed, so the bed is considered to be an item which can become tome, so these boards would become tome as well. Now when he took apart the bed, so now it's a flat piece of wood, this is known as pshute clay eights, a piece of wood which is flat, it can't contain things, and the halach is that it can therefore not become tome. With regards to metal, it can become tome even if it's flat and it can't contain things, but when it comes to wood, it has to contain something, it has to be able to contain something and hold something to become tome. So the wooden board now cannot become tome. Nevertheless, it is still invalid to be used as sechach. Since it was able to become tome, and you haven't actually changed the wooden board itself, you just detached it from the bed. So because of that, it cannot be used as sechach. So in short, you have on your roof of your sukkah lots of pieces of invalid sechach. If there is a space between the metal spits or the wooden boards of the bed, if you calculate the amount of space which there is, which is not covered on the roof with this invalid sechach, and it's the same amount as the invalid sechach, so if you were to add sechach on top of there, and a sechach would fill all of the gaps on the roof, so you end up with a roof of half valid sechach and half invalid sechach, the sukkah is valid. The Gemara does add that possibly it would be necessary for the majority to be valid sechach. So if let's say you push one of the boards to the side a bit, or you take away one of the metal spits, such that the majority of the sechach will be valid, the Gemara does say that possibly that will be necessary to make the sechach valid totally. And now the last law of the Mishnah is really a very typical case of Tasev Osui. The rule that you have to make the sukkah yourself, and if the sukkah is just there automatically, and it's not that you built walls and then you put on valid sukkah, then it will be invalid, so the Mishnah says, Hachaitit Bagodish, one who hollows out a haystack, lasts by sukkah to make inside the haystack a sukkah. So hay can be used for sukkah, but what this person did is he had a very big haystack, full of hay, and he sort of carved a hole at the bottom of the haystack. So you can now, let's say, walk into the haystack, there's space for him to be inside of the haystack, and if you think about it, he could now have three walls, let's say, or four walls even, and he's got a roof of hay, and that's the chach, so fantastic, that should be a valid sukkah. Says the Mishnah, no, ain't a sukkah, it's not considered to be a sukkah, because of the rule of tasa velomina osui. We should test, the walls of a sukkah have to be a proper partition a proper separation from the outside, a real wall, and therefore the Mishnah tells us that one who brings down walls from the top towards the bottom. So he doesn't build the walls starting on the ground, rather he has a wall suspended from the roof or something, or from a beam at the top, and it doesn't quite reach the ground. If it is at least three tfachim above the ground, so there is an at least three tfachim high gap at the bottom of the wall, 
Pasula, it is invalid since things can come in and out. The Gemara gives the example of a goat. A goat would be able able to come underneath that gap into the sukkah, so that is hardly considered to be a separation, and therefore it's not a valid wall, so it cannot be counted as one of the three walls of a sukkah. Of course, if there were four walls, and only one of the walls was like this, then it would be a valid sukkah. Alright, now the Mishnah now introduces us to another concept, which is Halach al-Moshe Messinai. It's a tradition which we have going back to Moshe. We already saw earlier on in the Perek the concept of Doifin Akuma, which is where you have invalid Sukkah on the side of the roof of the Sukkah. So if it's less than four Amas, if it's, if it's within four Amas of the wall, we view the wall as if it bends to be touching the Sukkah. So that's one unique Halach al-Moshe Messinai when it comes to the laws of Sukkah. We're now going to be introduced to another one known as Gud Asik Mechitsasa, or Gud Asik for short. And that is, says the Mishnah, if the walls of your sukkah go from the bottom, from the floor, upwards, like most walls, in Gevelman Oretz Asarot Fochim, if it is at least 10 Tvachim high from the ground, the wall is at least 10 Tvachim high, then Kesheyo, it is a valid wall, even if the wall does not reach the Sukkach. Even if the Sukkach is way higher, so the wall is not touching the Sukkach, as long as the Sukkach is either directly above the wall, or even within three tfachim horizontally from the wall, the concept of good asik says that we view it as if the wall goes upwards all the way to the sechach. Once you've got a ten tfachim wall, we view it as if it goes up to the sky forever. Which means that even if the sechach is not directly above the wall, but it's within three tfachim of where the wall would be if you view it as going upwards, so then you can use the concept of lovered as well to say that since it's within three tfachim, we view it as if it is indeed connected. Just like when it comes to a wall which is going from the bottom to upwards, if the wall is 10 tfachim high, then it doesn't matter how large the gap is between the top of the wall and the sechach, because of the principle of good asik, so too, if you have a wall going from upwards downwards, and the wall is at least 10 tfachim tall, there too, that wall is considered to be a valid wall for the sake of the sukkah, and this is known as a mechitza taluya, a suspended partition, and according to Yesi, that is considered to be a valid mechitza, a valid partition and separation from the outside. Now we mentioned the concept of dofin akuma, where if you have invalid sukkah on the side of your sukkah, then even up to four amas of it, four amas wide, will not invalidate the sukkah because of dofin akuma, we view it as if the wall bends inwards. Now that is only if you have something there, it's invalid sechach, but it's there, so it's less recognizable that there's a gap between the sechach and the wall, and so even if it's up to four amos, it is still valid. However, if there is a gap between the end of the sechach and the wall, there we don't say doifin akuma, and so the only mechanism we've got remaining is lovud, which says that if there is less than three tfachim between the sechach and the wall, so then we can do it as if it's connected. But if you distance the sechach from the walls by three tfachim or more, then pasula, then the, then the wall is invalid, and if it's one of the three walls, then the entire sukkah is invalid, because that wall is not considered to be part of the sukkah, since we do not say doifin akuma unless there is some material over there. Mishnah Yud, the Mishnah now brings a few examples of where the principle of Doifin Akuma would be used. Baishanifchas, a house which was broken at its top, meaning there is basically a large hole in the middle of the roof of the house. So the sides of the roof still remain, but the middle area of the roof of the house is no longer. The Sikir Gabov, and he placed Sakhach over the part of the roof which is no longer there. If there is at least four Amas, 
between the walls of the house and the sechach, then pesuloid is invalid. But if there is less than four amas in between the sechach and the walls, then we use the principle of dofen akuma, and we view the walls as if they bend in towards the sechach, and so the area underneath the sukkah is considered to be a valid sukkah. As we saw earlier on in this perek, one should still not sit or sleep or eat underneath the sides where there is no sukkah above you, because that is not considered to be part of the sukkah. V'chein chotzer, the same applies to a courtyard, sadra, which is surrounded by a porch, an area in front of the houses. And the case under discussion is one where you have, let's say, a courtyard with a number of houses opening up into the courtyard. And on the wall of each house which opens up into the courtyard, you have sort of wooden beams, large wooden beams which go across the length of the courtyard on the side of all of the houses and they poke out of the walls such that underneath them there is an area of shade. These wooden pieces provide shade just outside all of the houses in the courtyard. So if you put sukhach going from these wooden beams across the courtyard to the other wooden beams from the houses on the other side, so again you've got a case where you've got sukhach in the middle. The sukhach does not reach the walls, rather it reaches invalid sukhach, which then that itself reaches the walls. So again a typical case of Dovin Akuma, that if these wooden pieces are less than four amas wide, they poke out by less than four amas away from the walls, then the sukkah is valid, but if it's more than four amas, then it is invalid. Now in the last two cases, the invalid sukkah was of a material which could technically be valid sukkah. It was invalid for a different reason, because it's considered part of the roof of a house, at least in the first case, or part of the roof of the porch in the courtyard. Now the Mishnah tells us that even if it's totally invalid sukkah, which could never be used as sukkah, even if you fix it there especially as the sukkah, even then, we use the principle of Dofin Akuma. Sukkah Gedoyla, a large sukkah shekifua b'dovash emesakhen bay, which somebody surrounded, the edges of the roof of the sukkah were made up of totally invalid sukkah. Says the Mishnah, yesh tachtov arba amos. If underneath that invalid sukkah is four amos, meaning if the invalid sukkah is at least four amos wide, only then, pasula, only then is it invalid. But if it is less than four amos wide, even if it is totally invalid sukkah, the sukkah is still considered to be a kosher valid sukkah. Mishnah Aleph, for Isis Kosekamin Tzarif, one who makes his sukkah like a sort of cone, where the walls all lean in diagonally and meet at a point at the top. So there's not actually a roof, it's just made up of walls, which close in together. Or if he puts a wall next to a wall, meaning there's a wall already standing, and somebody leans diagonally another wall against that wall. So again, in this case, there is no roof. You could have three walls, or even four walls, but it's very similar to the previous case, just that in this case, one of the walls is actually straight, going vertically straight. But the point is, there is no roof. Rebeliezer says this is invalid, because it has no roof. A sukkah is supposed to be a hut, a sort of building, it has to have a roof. However, the Chachomim say that it is valid. It's true that a sukkah needs a roof, but we can view it as if the top parts of the wall are considered the roof. It's true that technically it just continues as one large wall, but you could view the top parts of the wall as making up the roof, and therefore it is considered to be a valid sukkah. Now the second half of this Mishnah, the Gemara explains in a way that one has to sort of add in a few words, or explain it to be referring to specific cases. And again, the subject is using certain materials as sukkah. We learnt earlier on in the Perak that there are two conditions for something to be used as sukkah. Number one, it has to have grown from the ground. And number two, it has to be something which cannot become tomei. The Mishnah will now refine that definition. 
And the example of the Mishnah is a mat made out of reeds. Now, just like wood, in order for it to become tome, it has to be able to hold things, and therefore pashute clay eight, which refers to flat pieces of wood, which can't actually hold things, they cannot become tome. However, even pashute clay eights can become tome if they are designated to be used as something which supports the weight of a human being. Be it a bench, be it a board of a bed, the bottom of a bed. The point is, if it's designated to be used as something which supports the weight of a human being, then it can become Tome if certain very Tome people with high levels of Tuma were to support their weight on that thing. So the Mishnah says, a large mat made out of reeds. The most common use for this thing is to use it as shade. So it is not designated to be used as something which supports the weight of a human being. But if somebody designated it specifically to be used as something to lie down on. If, let's say, somebody uses it as a mattress, it can now become Tome if somebody with a high level of Tuma, specific high levels, if he, let's say, lies down on it, it can become Tome, and because of that, one cannot use it as Sakhach. Now, if he does not specifically designate it for lying down on, then its regular use is for shade, and therefore it can be used as Sakhach because it cannot become Tome. The next part of the Mishnah refers to a smaller mat made out of reeds, and a smaller mat is typically used more often for lying down on rather than for shade. And therefore, if you don't designate it specifically for anything, then it cannot be used for sakhach, since it is generally designated for supporting the weight of a human being. Only if lesikach, if you designate it for for use as shade, only then the sakhimbar can use it as sakhach ve'inomekavelestuma, and it cannot become tome, even if somebody were to lie down on it, since that is not its designated use. Rebeliezer says that even when it comes to a larger reed mat, the general use is to use it for lying down on it. All reed mats, according to Rebeliezer, if you don't designate them for something specific, then the assumed general use is for lying down and for supporting the weight of a human being. Both a small and a big reed mat, which literally means if he designated it for lying down on, but as we explained, he doesn't even need to designate it for this, because it's assumed general use is for lying down on it. So even if he doesn't designate it for anything specific, the cabeles tume can become tome, since it is automatically designated for lying down on, and for supporting the weight of a human being, and therefore you cannot use it as sakhach. However, if he specifically designated it for the sikuch, for use as shade, and not for somebody to support their weight on, then masakhimbar, you can use it as sakhach, the inumakabeles tuma, and it cannot become tome, even if a severely tome person does support their weight on that mat.